0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Cricket Corner Podcast with me, Watsalvora. Welcome to yet another preview episode on the podcast. Today, as you have already read from the title, we are reviewing the fourth one-day international between India and Australia oh no 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 don't worry i'm just kidding today we are reviewing the first match for both these countries at in the world cup to be played at chennai on sunday i think that's eight. that's the 8th of october the reason why i said it's the fourth one day international because it kind of feels like it doesn't it they had the three match one day series both india and australia played each other in a three match one day series right before the world cup and as far as the Indian side is concerned, they haven't played any warm-up matches at all. So for them in particular, this is the fourth one-day international between uh, against the Australians. Sorry. So it kind of feels that way uh, for India. But uh, Australia have played a couple of warm-up matches. So it might not be the same for them. So... Yeah, as you, as I have already mentioned, this is the preview episode on the pod, on the podcast, and we are going to preview the India versus Australia clash in the World Cup at Chennai. And um, it usually I'm quite happy and looking forward to such podcasts, such previews because the hype is there. There's excitement in the air because home World Cup for India, first game against the mighty Australians and whatnot. But uh, there are sad stories, sad news coming out of the Indian camp and it is something you don't want to see at the start of the World Cup. Well, it's nothing serious if you are wondering. It's uh, nothing too fancy, nothing too worrying about. But the news coming out of the Indian camp on Friday, which is at the time of recording this podcast, is that Shubman Gill is basically out of the first game against australia apparently gil has been diagnosed uh dengue 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 now that is one question i wanted to ask the listeners what exactly is the pronunciation of this virus because us indians we call it dengue i've heard british people call it dengue americans call it dengue uh well you can correct me if i'm wrong but yeah Shubman gill is out and he's suffering from dengue which is a bummer isn't it because i've had people suffering from this illness in my own family and it can be very bad it can be health sucking it can drain your drain the energy out of your body and it's not good the the person becomes pale even though he's young and I feel like when my brother got this virus or this disease, I think he was pretty much the same age as Shubman Gill. So, yeah, again, Gill is a professional athlete, much more fitter than what my brother was. Sorry, Manan, if you're listening to this. But uh, but yeah, I think um, judging by what I know about this illness, this could be a lengthy spell away on the sidelines as far as Shubman Gill is concerned because... Uh, because the body takes time to recover from dengue and if, if if it's in the early stages or it's just a precautionary thing for Gil, then I can expect him to be back in a couple of matches time. But if it's, we if don't know the extent of how bad this illness is for shubman gill and if it's bad then you can expect him to miss quite a lot of matches because the body takes time to recover from this illness as i've already mentioned before but hey again we don't know the extent of how bad the illness is for gill but it is looking pretty likely that he would be missing the first one the first world cup match against australia so yeah, we always uh, Shubman Gill a very healthy recovery because uh, a lot was expected out of him coming into the World Cup. He has he had an excellent Asia Cup series. He also played well against Australia, didn't he? In the three match one day series, which we were talking about in the beginning of this podcast, so he was arguably the most informed batsman, the the most informed Indian batsman. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, and his. He will be leaving a gaping hole in the, at, in the top order for India against Australia on Sunday. But uh, on on the other hand, what options do India have when it comes to replacing a player like Shubman Gill? As far as uh, the options in their squad are concerned, India have two routes which they can pick if they want to replace uh, Shubman Gill at the top of the order uh opening the innings alongside Rohit Sharma India can go with a go with a fresh player from their squad and pick Ishan Kishan to open the innings now now Ishan Kishan has been part of the Indian setup for the cu- past couple of uh, months now he played in the Asia Cup he was part of the Australia uh, he was in the squad for the Australia series as well so Ishan Kishan is uh, not a stranger to this indian setup whatsoever he played a good knock against pakistan in Phalikeli, didn't he in the asia cup as well i think he scored 82 in that game and had a pretty healthy partnership alongside alongside hardik pandya but uh, so but the problem arises the problem which can arise is that ishan kishan has been playing in the middle order for quite some time now i think if he If he is playing, then I am assuming that you open with him or on the other hand, there is also a scenario where India put KL Rahul up the order and make him open alongside captain Rohit Sharma and then have Ishan Kishan in the middle order. But I don't see that happening at all because when India had a chance to put someone up the order, they instead went with Ruturaj Kayakward in the Australia series instead of, you know, trying KL Rahul or Ishan Kishan up the order. I feel like someone like KL Rahul has had a great impact in the middle order and I don't think India will want to disrupt the uh, disrupt the momentum which KL Rahul has generated not only in the Asia Cup but he played really well in the Australia 1-day series as well. As I have mentioned it in previous podcasts that he is capable of playing in two gears. He can attack whilst playing in the middle order and he can also anchor the innings. So I don't think India will want to disrupt KL Rahul's position at number five and we'll talk about India's team composition just in in just a moment but in an ideal scenario you can expect someone like Ishan Kishan to open the innings alongside Rohit Sharma there is no harm as far as India is concerned when Ishan Kishan if Ishan Kishan opens the innings that is because it's it, he has done it before the, the pair have played a lot of cricket together be it for India be it for the Mumbai Indians in the IPL so I think that's not an issue whatsoever Rohit Sharma clearly backs the talent the massive talent that Ishan Kishan possesses in his cricketing career so that shouldn't be a problem India will also have a left hand right hand op- opening pair and uh, if you are a regular listener of this podcast you might know how big of a fan I am to have a uh, opening pair which is which consists of a left-handed batsman and a right-handed batsman so india can take those boxes as well if you go ahead with ishan kishan but uh i think i think that's that's the way out of this situation uh if you personally ask me i think ishan kishan will be opening the innings alongside rohit sharma uh so yeah if that's the scenario if that's the case that Ishan Kishan is given the opportunity to open the innings in the World Cup opener against Australia, then the Indian team composition might not change much, but the because the only change that would happen would be at the top of the order. So that would be Ishan Kishan and Rohit Sharma to open the innings. And then the standard Indian lineup of Kohli at 3, then Shreya Sayar, KL Rahul, Hardik Pandya, Ravindra Jadeja. I think Ravi Chandan Ashwin would play home conditions for him. He's born and brought up in Chennai, he knows the Chepok wicket quite well, so I think Ashwin would be there at number 8. And uh, the standard bowling lineup of Kuldeep Yadav, Mohammad Siraj, and Jaspreet Bumbra. India do have a couple of options if they want to crop and change a few things and keep the Australians guessing. I personally feel like Siraj is ahead in the pecking order if you compare him and the other another Mohammed in the squad in the form of Shami. Yes, Shami picked up a five-wicket haul against Australia in the aforementioned one-day series, but I I assume that was because Mohammed Siraj was given a rest. Because we have seen in the Asia Cup how dangerous someone like Mohamed Siraj can be up up front with the new ball. And I think Mohamed Siraj will be given the nod. Jasper Bumra is a definite starter for me because his return from injury is a key. Kuldeep Yadav's return is also vital. He also had a lovely Asia Cup picking up nine wickets and the man of the series award there. So I don't think there's a question mark on his selection whatsoever. The only thing which can be changed in this indian lineup is whether you want to pick someone like ashwin or do you want to go with shardul thakur if you pick ashwin then you have kuldeep jadeja and ashwin you have the three three spinners and if you go with someone like kuldeep uh, someone like shardul thakur in place of uh, ravichandan ashwin then you will have Shardul, Siraj, Bumrah and Hardik Pandya. So you'll have four spacers. I don't think the Chepok wicket requires a team to have four pacers because the pitch is slow. We have seen it from the IPL. We have seen it time and time again in international cricket as well that the Chennai pitch can get a little slow. But, but yeah, so in that case, I think it is wise for Team India to pick Jadeja, Ashwin and Kuldeep, all three of them now now the problem as far as the team is concerned that india have not had a lot india have had a good amount of game time okay i was going to say they haven't had but they have they played in the asia cup they played against australia in a three match one day series but india are coming into this world cup a little bit of out of shape if if that's the right word because they, have, they haven't they have played a single warm-up game. The game against England at Goati was rained off. The game against the Netherlands in Trivandrum was rained off as well. So, yeah, India have not had any warm-up ahead of the World Cup. But you can you can argue that the one-day series against Australia was kind of a warm-up as well. So, I don't think that shouldn't be any problem whatsoever for the Indian management or the Indian setup is concerned because India plays so many games anyway so it doesn't matter how how many games India have played in the warm-up or India have not played warm-up at all so I don't think that's a matter of issue the the only reason why I'm a little skeptical heading into the Australian series not the series the Australian game in the World Cup in Chennai is that when Australia played a full strength squad in the third one day international in rajkot they completely hammered and battered india now that team wasn't completely full strength there could have been a few additions here and there but it was 80% there and you can expect a very similar kind of team to play and we'll talk about australia in just a moment but yeah australians despite them losing the series i think they come into this in a game against india on really really good form and it's going to be a bit of trouble as far as the indian side is concerned but but apart from that if they if, if india can get their if I, I i was going to say if india can get the bowling correct i don't think it's just a matter of bowling i think india will need all 11 players to be right up there if they want to start the world cup on a high the only bummer which India has faced and as we have talked about and as we have talked about it and in quite a bit quite a lot in in a bit of length is the absence of Shubman Gill now Ishan Kishan can fulfill his place both of them are pretty hard hitting both of them can play aggressive cricket yes but Shubman Gill has something which Ishan Kishan doesn't and that is consistency now you cannot expect Ishan Kishan to give you those hundreds at a regular interval, which something Shubman Gill has mastered in 2023. Yes, Ishan Kishan does have a double hundred under his belt when it comes to one-day international cricket. But uh, it is going to be really tricky. I think a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations will be there on Ishan Kishan's shoulder. But um, apart from that, I feel like the Indian squad is pretty much set and I don't expect them to give Australia an easy... when it comes to the game on Sunday so yeah I think that is the Indian part of this review we will be talking about the Australian side in just a moment and we'll also cover and talk briefly about the England versus New Zealand game in Ahmedabad and what on earth happened at the Narendra Modi Stadium on Thursday and no I will not be talking about the lack of crowd and And in turn, we'll be talking about the lack of fight which England and the defending champions provided. So yeah, stay tuned. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. Unlike India, Australia have had warm-up matches before their all-important game against the Indians in Chennai on Sunday. Australia have played Pakistan and the Netherlands. Yes, the game against the Netherlands was affected by rain. But in the end, they were able to get get the victory over the Dutch. And against Pakistan in Hyderabad, they play, they had a really close game if I remember correctly. They made some 350-odd runs and were barely able to defend that against a relatively weak and bleak Pakistan side. Because, yeah, they are not having the best of matches against the Netherlands at the time of recording this podcast. But that's not the talking point. Uh, Australia come into this World Cup on the back of some iffy form. Yes, they had that series defeat against South Africa. They had they lost five consecutive matches uh when the, when you add the three defeats against south africa and the two defeats against Aust- against india in the one day international series but after that they have recovered quite well as we mentioned earlier in the podcast they had that brilliant victory over india in Rajkot in the third one-day international in the series just before the World Cup they completely dismantled the hosts there winning by six by winning by margin of 66 runs on that occasion so Australia have picked up the form at the very right time as you have mentioned as I've mentioned that they also want to warm up games as well so they'll be coming in with some confidence but similar to the Indians camp where Shubman Gill is out with dengue. Australia do have some question marks surrounding the fitness of their players as well. I read online. I read something online that Mark Marcus Toyness and Josh Hazelwood could be a question mark for the Indian game. Hazelwood has not played in either of those two warm up matches against Pakistan and against Netherlands. So. And, and I, as far as I remember, I think it was Cameron Green who played in the lower middle order as well. So is that a cause for concerns as far as the Australian side is concerned? I would say yes, because Josh Hazelwood is someone you want when it comes to the limited overs format. I think he's completely rediscovered himself, be it T20 cricket or be it one day international cricket. So he will be a massive loss. And not to forget, he's also very decent when it comes to playing in the subcontinent he showed that time and time again again in the IPL be it playing for the Chennai Super Kings or be it uh, him representing the Royal Challengers of Bangalore he's always right up there amongst the wickets so that is going to be a bit of a blow as far as the Australian side is concerned and Andrew McDonald but um uh, they can, they can replace him with someone like Sean Abbott. Sean Abbott has been amongst the wickets here and there, but he's just picked up two wickets in his previous two matches. So he's not quite up there to uh, to the standard set by Josh Hazelwood. But just in case, if Hazelwood is not fit, then they can easily replace him with Abbott. Not to say that Austri- uh, Josh Hazelwood is a complete... Uh, no go as far as the game on sunday is concerned you never know if he's able to come back from uh that the niggle and feature in chennai the only time we will say that but uh, that's the only worry as far as australian is con- australian side is concerned because apart from that one position be it hazelwood or abbott i feel like the team is quite well balanced quite well settled and uh, all of those players are in some really good form and uh, that begins right up there with David Warner and Mitch Marsh. I think they have established the fact that they are one of the most endangered and feared attack uh, opening attack opening batsmen, sorry, uh, in this World Cup because both of them, in in particular, Mitchell Marsh is very much capable of going in hard early doors. I think he is capable of taking Australia to a score of you know, 140, 145 in the first 20 overs and dictate and help the likes of Smith, Labuschagne, Kerry to dictate the game after that with the likes of Maxwell and Cameron Green coming towards the lower end of their batting lineup to finish off the game. So I think that uh, settles in really nicely with how Australia are expected to play in this World Cup. I think I mentioned this in the Australian preview episode on the podcast platforms earlier this week that Australia... Australian batting looks something like this they have the top order which attacks the middle order which plays around plays depending on the conditions and then you have the lower order which comes out and attacks as well so that gives them the platform to you know go hard early go hard late and put up a big score or chase down a big score to that matter. So, Warner and Marsh are looking quite sad. Yes, Travis Head is part of the squad, but I don't see him playing just yet. Uh, And in in that regard, I think they have really established a really good opening opening stand in the form of Warner and Marsh. And yet again, big advocate for this. Left hand, right hand. Warner is a left-hander, while Mitchell Marsh is a right-hander. As far as the middle order is concerned, you can expect Steve Smith to be coming in at number three with Manas Labushain at number four. Labushain has had a good few knocks here and there so, uh, an odd 40 or 50 here and there. So he's looking in some really good form heading into the World Cup as well. I think the most important player in this Australian setup will be... Hmm. Maxwell will be coming in at number 6 or number 7 depending on the situation not only with the bat but Maxwell is expected to do a job with the ball as well because i think it's a well documented fact now that australia are coming into the world cup with a with just one specialist spinner in their squad in the form of adam zampa they replaced i guess they replaced ashton egar with manas labushan instead of leaving Travis Head home I think they've they are putting a lot of faith in the likes of Maxwell uh, or even in within the likes of Travis Head when he's fit even Manus Labushain was seen given the ball Steve Smith can bowl a bit as well so I think they are relying on their part-time spinners to give them the overs which would have been bowled by someone like Agar if he was part of the squad, obviously there is no and Lion in limited overs format. So Maxwell is going to be really important. We've seen him bowl really well. I think he picked up a four-wicket haul against India in the aforementioned one-day series, which has been referred in this podcast time and time again. I feel like every other sentence I say has the reference of the, of the game between of the series between India and Australia before the World Cup, so I think having someone like Maxwell at six would be really good. So you will have Warner-Smith, sorry Warner and Marsh to open the innings. Smith at number three, then Manas Labushain at four, Alex Carey at five. They can also play Josh English if you if they want. Josh English has had a good time with the bat as well heading into the World Cup, but I think Alex Carey is their first choice. Wicketkeeper, so I think he'll keep his place in the squad. Maxwell at six. I think if there is no Marcus Stoinis, then I see Cameron Green playing at number seven because I I personally feel like Green is coming into the coming into form heading into the World Cup yes he had a few iffy performances here and there he didn't have the best of the ashes as well in this summer but I think now he's getting amongst the runs he's picking an odd wicket here and there he yes he was very very expensive I think conceded like 100 runs in the second one day international in Qualier. but apart from that I think he's amongst the wickets now he's contributed with the bat as well as we have seen it in the warm-up matches so I think if stoyus has a a bit of niggle or is uncertain I think Cameron Green will be there at number seven and then you will have Pat Cummins at uh, with the skipper Pat Cummins at number eight who can also contribute with the bat Sean Abbott if there's no Josh Hazelwood Adam Zampa obviously is going to play because he's the sole he's the sole spinner in this squad and obviously the all-important Mitchell Stark hi I am expecting yet another brilliant world cup from mitchell star he's had world cup pedigree whenever he plays a 50 over world cup he he's a completely different player altogether 22 wickets or was it 27 wickets Uh, i think he's picked up 49 wickets overall in the two world cups he's played i think he picked up 22 in the home world cup in 2015 which australia won and 27 in England in 2019 when Australia made the semis on that occasion could be the other way around but I'm pretty sure he's picked up 27 and 22 which totals to 49 wickets in the World Cup but uh, that's not the point the point is Mitchell Stark is looking really really threatening and uh, if he can swing the ball he if he can, provide early wickets which some which someone like Shaheen Shah Freidi does for Pakistan or someone like Trent Polte does for uh for New Zealand if he's capable of replicating that both of them again left arm quicks. Mitchell Stark is also a left arm quick so that he's he's had that going for him and if if Australia are capable of getting important wickets through Mitchell Stark up the order I think that would be a massive massive bonus. He he has Had a good performance heading into the World Cup. You don't want to forget the hat-trick which he picked up against the Netherlands in Thiruvananda Puram in the warm-up game. So he has got some form behind him heading into the game against India on Sunday. So that would be really, really interesting to see how Australia can use someone like Mitchell Stark. But apart apart from that, I think that bowling looks quite settled. Stark, Cummins, Sean Abbott, Josh Hazelwood, I think they have got enough... Pedigree in in their fast bowling ranks. Mitchell Marsh can also contribute here and there with the ball if needed. I think Cameron Green will also be expected to give you somewhere in the region of you know six to eight overs. I don't see Cameron Green bowling all his and completing his quota of ten overs on a regular interval because Star- Cummings is giving you ten. Stark is going to give you ten. Zampa is going to give give, give you ten if. There's Hazelwood or Abbott. They can give you 9 or 10 as well. So that's 35 to 40 overs done right there. And then there's obviously Maxwell, who is going to be playing an important role for Australia because there's no spinner as we have already developed that fact. So he's going to give you 6-7 overs here and there as well. So you... In an ideal scenario, the likes of Marcus Stoinis or Cameron Green, who whoever is playing it at number 7 or number 8 role. I think it's number 7, isn't it? Yeah, number 7 role. I think the most you can expect them is to give you 5 or 6 overs, depending on how bad a day someone like Stark, Cummins or even Maxwell are having. You want to cover them off and... Uh, I think that's the primarily the reason. I think they are the sixth bowler when it comes to this Australian setup, be it Stoinis or Green, not the fifth bowling option. I think the fifth bowling option, as we've already established, is going to be uh, Glenn Maxwell. So, yeah, I think uh, they are very much capable of doing that. And it's really, really good to see Australians having a balanced side. They have got a quota of really good players up the order, really good players in the middle order. And the, and the lower order consists of batters who can bowl and bowlers who can bat in the uh, in the in the category of bowlers who can bat I'm including uh, someone like Pat Cummings who has shown time and time again that he is capable of playing the big shots and I think he's proved that as well I think did he play like a really good knock? I think he holds the record for the fastest half century in Indian Premier League, doesn't he? I think he scored like 50 odd runs of 14 deliveries, if I'm not wrong, against the Mumbai Indians. I'm not quite sure whether that game was played in Indian conditions or was it in in the UAE. I, f- I feel like that was India, wasn't it? Correct me if I'm wrong, I think. But yeah, Cummins is very much capable of playing, with a, playing and get scoring with the bat as well so he gives batting down to number eight you can expect Mitchell Star to hang in there as well so you can count him as, uh, as a bowler who can give you a few runs here and then something like Mark Wood and uh, Adil Rashid were able to do for England in yesterday's defeat against New Zealand but apart from that yeah pretty pretty strong squad and uh, I expect them to do really well against India. I don't expect them to be, uh, you know, just fill out the numbers. I think it's going to be a really, really close game. Whether they can win it or not, well, I'm not saying that they cannot. But I think home conditions, India in front of their home fans, opening game of an highly anticipated World Cup in Chennai, that too. I feel like India might be having that edge heading into the World Cup, uh, heading into the opening game of the world cup so will be a close game it will all come down to how the how both sides eventually utilize their spinning options as we have already mentioned india have an upper edge when it comes to spinners in their squad but you never know how australia come come out because you can never underestimate the power of the aussies in an icc tournament even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let's end this podcast by talking about the game which happened yesterday, which was the opening game of the 2023 World Cup where New Zealand secured a nine-wicket victory over England and it was a completely one-sided affair. And uh, it shows how much progress England need to make heading into the World Cup. Yes, they are the defending champions. But the way in which they were completely hammered by New Zealand, it was a sight to behold if you are a neutral or someone who doesn't like England. England put 282 on the board from their quota of 50 overs. They batted the full 50 overs. Yes, they lost 9 wickets. But they completed their quota of 50 overs on 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 the pay, on paper it does look like 282 is a really really decent score you can play a, play a one day with 282 runs in the bank but that pitch was not a 282 kind of a pitch that pitch had what it takes for a team to score upwards of 300 runs you know 360 350 and new zealand showed that because they chased down 282 in just 36.2 overs credit to rachin ravindra and devon convoy that they they were just out of this world Devon Convoy unbeaten on 152 and Rachin Ravindra what a fine New Zealand have had uh, and have found what a player New Zealand have found in Rachin Ravindra 123 man of the match he picked up one wicket as well and the and the in the way in which Devon Convoy and Rachin Ravindra were going it felt like they were betting on a completely different wicket whatsoever because England scored 282 in their 50 overs but they weren't cruising at any stage of the game the ball was gripping it was turning the the medium pacers were bowling a really good out uh leg cutter off cutters this there was a bit of spin in the air as well as established by someone like um Someone like Mitchell Santner who gave away just 37 runs from his quota of 10 overs. And England really struggled on that pitch. Yes, the you can say the likes of Butler scored 43. There was obviously Joe Root with 77. But they weren't convincing in my eye. Joe Root was their highest run scorer, 77. But he scored them of 86 deliveries. A striker of 89.53, yes. But then again... He wasn't feeling comfortable whatsoever. He was trying to sweep the ball, and that was his demise in the end. Josh Butler didn't look comfortable out there as well. And credit to the Austria credit to the New Zealand fielding as well. I think they prevented some really crucial runs here and there. But if you look down the if you look down the English batting card, you will see each and every one of them has Scored runs in the double digit. I think that has happened for the first time in One Day International history. Johnny Bestor 33. David Malan, 14. Joe Root, 77. Harry Brook, 25. Moeen Ali, 11. Joss Butler, 43. Liam Livingston, just 20. Sam Curran, 14. Chris Wokes, 11. Adil Rashid, 15. And Mark Wood, 13. From those, sco- from those scores, every player, like every player, Proper batsman has had a start here and there, but they have failed to capitalize on it, and that's the reason why New Zealand were able to restrict England to just 282 because they took wickets at regular intervals. They weren't allowing, they weren't allowing England to settle down. They weren't allowing England, England batsmen to have to form a partnership. Yes, there was a little bit of partnership going on between. The likes of Joe Root and Joss Butler, but was ju- one that partnership was killed, and when, when that partnership was broken, I should say, I think New Zealand were in total control whatsoever. And the and the way in which I think we have already established the fact in the way in which Devon Convoy was attacking the English bowlers, particularly the likes of Mark Wood and, uh, and the spinners in the form of Moin Ali, Adil Rashid, and Liam Livingston, and Rachin Ravindra's wonderful 123 showed that. The pitch, that was attack, it was an attacking pitch. Like I should say that the pitch was not a slow one. I think that was well established because the likes of Moin Ali, Adil Rashid are really good spin bowlers. And when you are able to attack them, it shows that England weren't feeling too confident. Could be the heat, but then again, that's not an excuse to be made. Uh, Rachin Ravindra man of the match as I said earlier in this podcast 123 of 96 deliveries 11 fours and five sixes uh, I didn't know this before Rachin Ravindra's the uh, innings but apparently he's been named after uh, Sachin and Rahul Dravid well I don't know the exact source don't like cite me on this thing but if that's the case then yeah he's He's done justice to those two greats, two great Indian batsmen. Uh, Rachin Ravindra's innings also reminded people of what Nathan Astle did. Nathan Astle did in the 1996 World Cup, which was also played in India. There were so many similarities between Rachin Bravindra's innings and that of Nathan Astle uh, against uh, for New Zealand back in the 1996 World Cup. Nathan Astle. Nathan Astle scored a century. A 24-year-old Nathan Assel scored a century against England in the opening game of the 1996 World Cup, which was played in Ahmedabad. And Ratchin Ravindra also scoring 100. A young player scoring 100 in the opening game of the World Cup against England in Ahmedabad. So many, uh, so many similarities there. It's funny how the world works sometimes. But yeah, a lot to ponder if you are someone from the English camp or... Uh, you are an England supporter but uh, because they have not made a good start to this World Cup yes they have they have suffered a heavy defeat but that heavy defeat has consequences England after one game has a net run rate of negative 2.17 or something so England need a big big win and a big win really quickly they play New Zealand oh sorry they play New Zealand in the opening game I think they face Bangladesh in Dharamshala on Tuesday and the Josh Butler's boys would be hoping to forge a comeback and uh, get their hopes and get their World Cup campaign on track. Because another dicey performance against Bangladesh, another defeat, and you start a World Cup with two consecutive defeats. And that could mean that basically your chances for a top four finish are dead in the water because this World Cup is going to be a really close one. But that is for... The future that is for Joss Butler's, uh, uh, that is uh, that is a press that is a tension that Joss Butler has, not me. Uh, This was the India versus Australia review. India versus Australia preview. Sorry, India versus Australia preview for their game for their opening game on Sunday in Chennai. Let me know your predictions in the comments, or you can tweet it at me at Mr. Vatsal I hope you enjoyed this podcast if you have done that make sure you are giving me those five star ratings on spotify give me give me a follow give uh, put, uh, turn on the no- notifications bell so you are aware when i am posting a next episode for the time being this is me what's alvora signing off ciao for now sports social podcast network